This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. All right, welcome back. So Saturday this week, September 10th, uh, the Hall of Fame is going to have its 2022 class enshrined. And um, I try to do this every year where I talk about the Hall of Fame class and um, see what all they've done. And uh, I'm just going to be up front. Uh, some of these people I really don't know what all they have done. So I'm just going to go through the ones that I know I can talk about because, as I said, there's just some of them where I I apologize, but it's just, I don't know. And, um, yeah, an interesting class this year. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. All right, so first off, Tim Hardaway making the Hall of Fame, something that it sounds right. Um, Once hearing it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But I think beforehand, Hardaway was someone to where people were like, well, I don't know. I mean, he played with a lot of great point guards in his era. You know, he, he stuck out, but just you never know with those guys. And um, to me, I just have Tim Hardaway in just based on the run TMC era. Like, that was the most electrifying basketball at that point in time in the league. And just one of those things where I've, I see the T-shirt sometimes, and I'm just like, man, I really want that T-shirt. I haven't been able to find it yet. Um and I haven't looked incredibly hard for it, but once I when I get the chance, I do. And um, yeah, so Hardaway is officially a Hall of Famer now, five-time All-Star, five-time NBA All-Rookie. Someone when you look at those stats, those accolades, you don't think oh, you don't really think Hall of Famer. But just look up the killer crossover, and um, I think it's more than enough, just because the quickness in that crossover, I think, is something to wear. A lot of guys have built off of that. I think you can make an argument Kyrie has really um, helped bring that quick crossover, killer crossover into the modern game. A lot of guys have a quick crossover like that just to get guys off of them. And, you know, I was – people will think just like, well, you know, I mean, it's good to have the crossover, but, I mean, you still got to deal – with all the other guys on the court, but it's like getting by one guy is hard enough in the league and for him to get that crossover, get back and then drive into the greatest centers ever, like Hakeem, David Robinson, Shaq, uh, driving into all these guys and going up strong, getting a finish or passing it off um, just in time for someone to get it like Chris Mullen or Mitch Richmond. Um, yeah, I've, to me, Tim Hardaway, I agree with it. It's just that I don't think a lot of people would just because it's like, well, what, what all they do in the league? And it's just, who cares? It's a, it's someone who was a part of the zeitgeist 
of basketball, the run TMC era, him, Chris Mullen, and Mitch Richmond were, for a point in time, the most exciting basketball you could ever watch. And um, for me, that's enough to put someone in the Hall of Fame, but I know other people have certain criteria. But, um, yeah, for me, Tim Hardaway, 100%. Golden State, Miami, whatever. And then he had a stint. He had a couple stints. If um, Dallas, then in Denver, then with the Pacers there for a little bit. So um, look out for the Pacers All Prime team because Hardaway is definitely in consideration for that. But um, yeah, Tim Hardaway, I I love this. I love him going into the Hall. Next up, Manu Ginobili. Um, I it, it makes too much sense at this point, doesn't it? Just because, obviously, being a part of those Spurs championships, I mean, he's solidified forever. But also, him being one of the top players on that on those championship teams, even being as a six man, um, just incredible. Two time All Star, four time champ. Um, two-time All-NBA, 0203 All-Rookie, and then 2007-2008 Sixth Man of the Year. Not only does him on the Spurs get him in the Hall of Fame, like that should be no question, but think about international. Mon Ginobili was like the catalyst behind Argentina winning the gold medal in 2004. Like, the... Probably the point that is the most down, most down point for USA basketball was at the hands of Manu Ginobili, and they Argentina was dominant. And I know, like they had, um, they also had Luis Scola on that team, but Manu Ginobili really came into his own right then, and it's just he goes on. To play till he's 40. At ages 20, 22 to 24, he was in Italy playing. And then he gets a chance. He comes to the NBA. He does pretty good. I mean, his rookie year averaging seven and seven and a half points. Not terrible. And then from then on, up until 2015, he would average double figures. 2016, he averaged 9.6. When he was 40 years old, he's averaging 8.9. I mean, and if you haven't seen Manu Ginobili, uh, not the most athletic guy. I mean, it's not like LeBron playing at 40. Um, and Ginobili always having the defensive assignment, too. Like, when Bruce Bowen wasn't there, or anyone else who could really defend, Manu Ginobili was guarding James Harden. Remember in the playoffs when he blocked him? He blocked James Harden at the buzzer. Harden was having an MVP year, and and he blocks him in the playoffs. Something that you never see that. You never see an MVP caliber player getting blocked in crucial time, especially by a guy who is in his late 30s. So, Manu, to me, yes, 100%. No questions for me. Um... You, I, was, I assume it's his first ballot. 
Because, well, let's see, when did he retire? 2018. So, yeah, I think this would be his first ballot. But, um, yeah, Manu Ginobili, no question for me. Um, next one I can talk about, Swin Cash. Um, someone who I recognize the name, but I never really got to see her play all that much. I looked up her highlights, and she was a stretch. Like, I don't even know if she was a four or a five, but you would see her. She's blocking everything inside, and then she was able to shoot outside. Okay, she was a forward. Um, four-time All-Star, two-time All-Star MVP. At six foot one, you know she averaged double figures for quite a lot of her career, and um, yeah, I've, I I don't know why I always thought Swin Cash was a guard, just because those are the ones you hear about, especially in the WNBA. You hear about the guards. You hear about Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi is like a guard forward. Um. You hear about the ones who can really make plays like that. But, um, yeah, if you look up her highlights, I, I know there's not t- too many highlight videos of Swin Cash, and if they are, they're not that long. But um, really good and just she, – she did her thing, like blocking everything inside. And then on the other end, someone that you, who you had to – just test to be like, I don't know if she she might go inside, she might be outside. I can't leave her too. I can't be off her too much because she can hit the shot. And a swing cash looks like oh, I didn't even talk about who's presenting. So for Tim Hardaway, he's going to be presented by Isaiah Thomas, Mitch Richmond, Chris Mullen, Yolanda Griffith, and Nate Archibald. Ginobili will be presented by Tim Duncan. Swing cash is going to be presented by Tamika Catchings. Teresa Witherspoon, Tina Thompson, Isaiah Thomas again, and then Gino Ariema. So, a lot of people backing her as she goes into the hall. Next up, Bob Huggins. Um, someone who has been dominant in multiple places. Talk about Cincinnati, now West Virginia. I mean, Bob Huggins, Bob Bob Huggins. I mean, what else do you want me to say? He's just one of the more um, ragged, if I'm using that word right. He's someone that where you go in between like, man, I don't know if I really like this guy or not. But um, he wins. I mean, it's what he does. And... You kind of wonder, it's like, man, he he really hasn't been in the hall because, what he just recently became one of the most winningest coaches in college history, like I think top five or maybe top ten, I don't know, but um, Bob Huggins to me it makes sense just because the place that he's gone, he he's turned them into great destinations, like Cincinnati, I mean. Cincinnati is going. I know it's their football's heading to the Big Twelve, but they're heading to the Big Twelve. That's something you probably couldn't have said before Bob Huggins came in. I mean, they're in the Big East, then the American, and now they're going to the Big Twelve. Uh, West Virginia, 
was somewhere. I mean, Devin Ebanks was pretty good, I guess. Kevin Jones was good. But then once Huggins gets there, Konate, Javon Carter, um, plenty of guys going to the league and becoming um, nationwide names just because of the hard-nosed defense that he has brought in. And, um, yeah, Bob Huggins, to me, makes sense. You can't really argue these. I mean, they're going to the Hall of Fame. Um, Next up, George Carl, one of the winningest coaches in NBA history. Oh, Huggins is going to be presented by Jerry West and Rod Thorne. That's, for two people, that's a heck of a lineup. So, Carl is going to be presented by Roy Williams, Gary Payton, Bobby Jones. Um, George Carl, someone who I think after the last dance we look at in a different light just because it was like, oh, well, Mike went out to dinner one night and George Carl didn't say hi to him. You're like, really? (laughs) And, like, everyone's going, why didn't you say hi to him? It's like, one, we got to think that's kind of made up, right? (laughs) Like, there are people who always say stuff like that to get them motivated. Um like that whole thing where Shaq said that David Robinson didn't sign a um didn't sign something for him when he was like twelve. So he's like or whatever. So he's like, I don't really like um I don't like David Robinson. And then he was like, Well I I lied about it. So you know, <laughs> there's that. Um Yeah, but George Carl someone who took the Sonics from out of nowhere and took them to new heights was incredible. You know, really knew how to work with Gary Payton, Detlef Schrempf, Sean Kemp, um, all these guys to really make them work. And I know, like, and again, another thing from the last dance where Gary Payton saying, like, well, you know, if I was guarding Jordan – if George would have let me guard Jordan, it would have been a different thing. You're like, maybe, I don't know. But, um, yeah, George Carl, one of the guys who I think, he was underrated. Like, he had some weird run-ins with some refs and stuff and, like, um, ended up writing a book about, like, how to deal with refs or something like that. It was interesting. And then he gets into one later in his career, he goes to Denver, wins coach of the year, and then gets fired. And so people are wondering, well, what's wrong with George Carl? So I don't think anything's wrong with George Carl. It's just when you think of that era, it was what, 2013, 2014. Um, George Carl is someone that where he could get it started, and then someone else takes it over. I think that's the reasoning behind it. And George Carl gets a bad rap for it. I completely disagree. George Carl, and I mean, his playing career, I mean, you end up, he was really good at Carolina. Like, don't forget about that. And, uh, yeah, Carl, again, one of those guys where I really don't know how to take this guy, <laughs> but um, doesn't matter now. He's in the Hall of Fame. 
Next up, Dell Harris. It's going to be presented by Nancy Lieberman, John Calipari, and Sidney Moncrief. Now, I think Harris is put. He's being put in as a contributor because of what he's done off the court and um, mentoring and all that. But I was watching that Lakers documentary we talked about last week. I was watching that, and they were talking about when Dell Harris came in. And Jerry West said Dell Harris is the smartest basketball coach I've known. He's like he's just the smartest guy when it comes to a game. And I have a soft spot for Dell because he's from Indiana, and um, you know, there's a thing where he butts heads with Nick Van Axel just because it's two different eras, and um, it didn't really work out. But I mean, they made the playoffs after Showtime was over. They made the playoffs and fairly quickly, probably quicker than what a lot of people thought they would, and um. Yeah, Del Harris just one of the smarter guys. Even if you read up on Del Harris, like his whole upbringing, like started out in like middle school coaching for basketball, worked his way up until he got to the NBA. Um, you learn a lot when you do that. When you work your way up the ladder, you you learn a lot like that. So um, I think this is the way of saying to Dell, like, hey, we think you deserve to be in the hall. Um, maybe not for, you know, your coaching. Like, your coaching record won't really state all that much, but this is everyone, this is the committee saying you should be in the hall just because what you've done for the game, It's that's what it is. What have you done for the game of basketball? Did you help popular, popularize it? if that's the word I'm looking for? Did you help contribute in a way to help spread basketball in different countries? What have you done in your basketball life to make basketball better for everyone? That's what it is. And um, Del Harris from Indiana. Again, our Indiana guy in the Hall of Fame. Come on. You can't say no to that. So, that's Del Harris. And then the last one I'm able to talk about, Lou Hudson. Put in, he's put in posthumously. Um, he's going to be presented by Spencer Haywood and Jamal Wilkes. Um, that's a great, that's a great one there. Um, I talked about Lou last week in the All Prime Lakers team. Um, a really good shooter, just someone who. Brought Atlanta into prominence because, you know, they had Pistol Pete for a little bit. It was working, but, I mean, you know, Lou Hudson was the guy on those teams. And um, he gets overlooked a lot, I think, because of Pistol Pete. And um, with Pistol Pete, it's just um, he died early. He died like 10, maybe five years after he got in the league, or maybe 10. Um, just crazy in how Lou Hudson was a guy who could move the ball around a lot, really helped move 
throughout the offense. Uh, six-time All-Star, 69-70 All-NBA, and 66-67 All-Rookie. I mean, was part of the transition from St. Louis to Atlanta, um, really bringing Atlanta two games because it's tough going from St. Louis to city like Atlanta, I mean, you're uprooting an entire franchise. It's hard enough. But going into a place like Atlanta, um, place where it's not really known for a ton of basketball, like, you know, Georgia Tech is in Atlanta. But um, anything outside is like football, basically. And um, really brought the Hawks into popularity. I mean, he stayed in Atlanta – He's part of the Hawks from 67 to 77. So that's impressive enough. And he just, only one season he didn't average double figures. And it was his last year in the league, he averaged 9.8. And we're talking, there's only a few years where he didn't average 20. He averaged 20 points a game from 69 all the way to 75. So, yeah, he was. I think he was put in posthumously through the Veterans Committee in which Sweet Lou finally got his due diligence. Um, and, I mean, he's a Big Ten guy. He went to Minnesota. Fourth overall pick in the 66 draft. And just really good player. I mean, in one season, he averaged two and a half steals. The first season that they calculate that they actually kept track of steals, he averaged two and a half. Um, always, almost always averaged around four or five until 1975. So, yeah, just a guy who... Pete was a big part of those teams, I get it, but Lou Hudson was, without him, it's Pete Maravich, it's Pete Maravich's show, he doesn't really have anyone to distribute the ball to, which I think is something that is part of the legend of Pete, was how mesmerizing he was when he would fake out and go for a pass, fake a shot and pass, stuff like that, and um, he was Lou was a guy that he distributed it to. And, yeah, just one of those guys where it's it's a whole other era and people don't really get it. They're like, whoa, who is this guy? Why is he in here? It's just the importance of what he did. I mean, Atlanta, I mean, the Hawks are, all, are always great now. But, I mean, you got to get that crowd to go to Atlanta, you know? And for that, you got to be good and... Lou and Pistol Pete, they helped move it along to get people in the sands. So, with that, those are the people I can talk about. Um, I'll go through the whole list. So, we have Tim Hardaway, Manu Ginobili, Lindsey Whalen, Swin Cash, Bob Huggins, George Carl, Marianne Stanley, Hugh Evans, Teresa Shank-Grentz, 
Uh, Del Harris, Lou Hudson, Larry Costello, and Radivoj Korak. And that's the Hall of Fame for 2022. So, with that, that will be it for this week. Um, I would say watch the Hall of Fame enshrinement. It's always a great moment in time just to see everyone celebrate these people and what they've done. And then you also get to see um, other Hall of Famers explain, like, here's why this guy is so important. So, um, yeah, be sure to watch the Hall of Fame ceremony. It's Saturday. Um, Not sure of the time, but uh, I would say around probably 4 or 5, maybe even a little later. So, um, yeah, with that, just want to thank you for listening. Uh, Yeah, just be sure to watch the Hall of Fame, and that will be it for this week. I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.